Welcome to Inside the Chamber. I'm Nikki Anderson, the President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. With advances in technology, one challenge is the increase of online scams. Have you been affected, either personally or professionally? We've got three experts on our show today to discuss ways that you can spot and potentially avoid being a victim of online scammers. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust. Thank you so much for being here today. I think this is a topic that people are really interested in because we hear scams, whether it's our grandparents, our parents, or even kids. Um, so I wanted just to start off with, like, what is the current scam that we're hearing most about or you're hearing most about? So, Tim? Yeah, so, I mean, it seems like not a day goes by or not a week goes by where I don't get multiple questions from clients. Is this real? Is this not real? I've sent you a couple of yeah, those emails. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I would say that the, some of the more common ones are, are spoofed type, type emails from a CEO to subordinates. Like, for example, hey, you know, so-and-so, I need you to go to the store, pick up $1,000 worth of Visa gift cards and read me back the codes. And mm -hmm. then, you know for whatever reason, right? And and it's the the big problem that we're facing with that is that, you know, we're communicating like this. Yeah. And we're not talking as much. We're not doing this. And so part of it is the education of the of the of the employee to understand, hey, is this how my boss normally behaves? Is this something my boss would ask me to do? any other time and if you have to I mean you should question those things or pick up a phone and verify you know um, you'll find I will find that people will just get in the car and start driving and then they'll think and then they'll like maybe call us and say hey I got this email it's really weird yeah and we're like no no, no don't do that you know so that, that I would say that's a big one that we've seen recently okay um, great Jim I know you do both not only online but also retail hmm. scamming so what's what is something that's out there that maybe we don't know about well, maybe not know about, but it's tax season, so oh. the IRS scams are going to be big this time of year. People get in the phone call, the IRS doesn't call you out of the blue saying, hey, you owe money, and go get a prepaid debit card and pay us back that way. Mm. So, but, you know, if you get that call, you got to look into it a little bit. And the scary part is that, same thing, the scammers are spoofing the phone number. So the phone number that shows up in your caller ID is the actual phone number for the IRS. Uh, so you need to call them back and verify. And again, they don't call you. They normally send a letter first, because that's how I got a letter once. <laughs> but they, they don't just do it out of the blue. And no government agency is going to tell you, pay by prepaid debit card. Right, so. right. Another IRS scam that we're, that's cropping up more and more is where um, a, a fish is sent specifically to a CFO in, a, in an organization um, um, making themselves look like that person and they're asking uh, someone from the payroll to send them all the W-2s for their employees. They want to review those. So they send them and then they file uh, tax returns using those W-2s and get the refunds. That so I I'm curious and and maybe you guys don't know the answer but like 
my, in my mind, I would go, that just isn't right. Yeah. Like there's something fishy, <laughs> no mm -hmm. pun intended, right. but that, it just doesn't seem right. And yet people get, you know, sucked in all the time. Like, I wonder why. Well, part of what the business is, people are afraid to question their bosses. Mm. You know, you're talking about where my daughter works. That happened to one of the employees, got the email saying, hey, go get the car. And he went and bought it and turned out it was yeah. a scam. But people are sometimes hesitant to question the bosses. You know, they see the email, it looks legit, and you now they just go and do it. Well, I think too, I, I, one of my employees said, hey, did you send this to me? And it was this back and forth, and the first email was sent to her on a Saturday morning. I, I must ask if you can um, assist me. I would never talk like that, right? right? Yeah. But she went back and forth, and then finally when they said, you need to go get some cards, I need mm -hmm. 50 cards. Um, that's when she wrote me and said, this doesn't seem right. Right, right? and I remember that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think the, the bad guys, they prey on people by using emotions. Mm. They get you, they, they use fear-mongering tactics, like in the case with the IRS. So, or they'll call you, they'll robocall you, and they'll say, hey, you know, there's a warrant out for your arrest. Um, things like that to get you nervous, mm. um, trying to get you to react without thinking about it. Mm. Uh, you know, you know, like you said, the IRS isn't going to, they're not going to call you. No. They just don't. Uh, so, you know, part of it is common sense. You just have to think about it and educate yourself. It's very difficult to block and stop some of this stuff from coming to you. Uh, you just have to educate. You have to educate your employees. You have to educate yourself. If you don't know, you know, reach out to your IT department. Reach out to uh, whatever resource you have and, and bounce these things off of them. Don't be afraid to admit that you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Uh, that's the big issue. I think some of it is, you know, they just, they, and they're too trusting. You just can't be trusting with email. Not when you can't put a face to it, not when you can't hear a voice, right. which is another whole other topic because they've learned how to mask voices now. Wow. Uh, but, you know, you just have to verify. You have to verify everything. So I think that's a really great point, Tim, and that is don't be afraid to ask. So to your point about, you know, well, they don't want to say no to their boss. Um, but if something just doesn't seem right, and maybe that's something that more businesses need to do is to say, look, if something seems off, don't hesitate to reach out mm -hmm. and ask me, hey, is this legitimate? Because um, I'd rather you ask me than the company lose a half million dollars. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, so is there a particular group that these folks tr you know, look at? Like, is it young? Is it old? It's, it's both. I, I read a recent statistic published by the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners that said, um, uh, surprisingly, that millennials are almost twice uh, as likely to get spoofed as, uh, as an elderly. Really? Yeah. What, the elderly are you losing more money? Right, they, they have more have money more to lose. They have more of an egg than the millennials. They're losing more, but the younger are, become, are more victims. Well, and speaking of victims, I had reached out to some people who had actually been scammed and asked them if they want to come on the show, and they're like, no, right. um, because that's, it's embarrassing to, to sure. be in a position where you're like, I couldn't see through it. I, I fell for it, right? right? And then you're kind of questioning Well, I'll make it. the point about the millennials. It's, it all comes back to, again, they'd rather text than call. I mean, I'll, I mean that's just the way it is. I, I, we can call anybody. I'm more likely to get a voicemail now than ever before. Mm -hmm. But if I text them, they reply. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Now, it's just the way it is. It's the culture of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably why millennials are more likely to fall for it, because they are not going to pick up a phone. They don't want to talk to anybody. 
uh, that's just been my experience dealing with it. And so that's how they do it. And, and you know, I'll, get, I'll take it a step further even with texting. You know, we've seen with like Craigslist sales that, you know, for example, they'll publish once in a while like the original Nintendo, okay, to buy it. And they'll say, text this number to inquire about buying this. So you can do that. And then what they'll do is they'll send you a code. They'll say, hey, to prove you're not a robot, send us back this code from Google Voice. So as soon as you do it, okay, guess what happens? Now your cell phone has been registered with a Google Voice account, and they will use your cell phone to spoof robocalls, and your number's compromised at this mm. point. So that's how they do it. Because you know what? Everyone's blocking these numbers. As soon as they get a robocall, you, you have an ability on an iPhone or an Android to block the number, so they need to get more numbers. So what are they doing? They're targeting people to get their numbers to do robocalling. And so that's what they call vishing, which is like the, or SMS uh, smishing is what they actually call it. Oh uh, vishing's the voice, uh, that's, that's when you use your voice to mask somebody. But yeah, that's a big one too. So you gotta watch out when you're texting because wow. if somebody ever asks you for a code to send a code back, abort, back out. Wow, that's so, uh, so I know um, you came to talk uh, to me at the chamber and I know that you do a lot of things with retail. Um, what, as someone who shops, like I've always thought about my credit card, right? When you give a credit card, is that something that somebody can get a hold of? Like, they they have their ways. Uh, I mean, how many retails have you heard about that their systems got hacked? Yeah, right. And all the credit card companies and all the customers that went in there use a credit card, all their information was out there. So it's you can't just stop it. Well, you can't do it anymore because there's a lot of places won't even take cash anymore. All yeah. they take is credit cards. So you just gotta be careful, You're reputable. You don't wanna be out showing it to people on that. Right. Uh, the chip makes it a little bit more, but again, you're still relying on the company that is their system secure. You. So I guess that's a question, and maybe this is too complex, but like, how do they hack? It just seems like it happens all the time because when you mentioned that, I thought of Target mm -hmm. got hacked, hotels have been hacked. Like, is it a crew of you know 100 people that are doing this, or is it one person in, in a rude dark room doing right. it? So in, the way email is done, the way that's handled, is usually comes in the form of a phishing attack. Um, and Can you explain that? Yeah, so what ends up happening is you could be sitting there in your email, and you'll get some kind of email that looks bogus. There might be an attachment. It might come from, I might get an email from you with an attachment, let's just say. Um, and it's not that difficult if you're somewhat tech savvy to be able to mask an email and say, I'm Nikki Anderson, and, and I could put this, I could put your email address as a send at, or a send, you know, like a reply to address, so that when I get it, it looks like it's coming from you. It, it's not that hard to manipulate that. And so if there's an attachment, I can open the attachment. Now, it's not the attachment that's going to get me, mm. okay? But usually what it does is there's a link in there, and it, it'll lead to a place that might look legitimate, like a webmail or some other form that I have to log into. Now, if I'm ever asked to log into something, abort mission, get out. Because what's, what's gonna happen next is you're gonna think you're logging into your email, but you're not. Looking at the URL, you'll see you're not going there, you're going somewhere else, okay? You gotta just know what to look for, but once you log in, what you've just done is you've given out your email address, you've given out your password in plain text, okay? And the page will break, right? As soon as you log in, the page breaks. You're thinking, oh, this doesn't work, okay, that's weird. And you give up on it, you move on to something else, right? You're not gonna troubleshoot that. But what you just did is you gave your password out to the bad guys. Now you're on the dark web, okay? And 7% of the world's economy is being siphoned into the dark web, okay? And so it's a racket. It's bigger than the cartel, bigger than the drug cartels. And so it's a big problem. And it's a big problem that we have to combat. You know, the bad guys, I'd say, are nine months, 
to a year ahead of the good guys. Right. And so our tools and technology is getting better to defend against it, to, to increase awareness. But I would recommend that most people personally get some sort of not only identification protection, but also have dark web monitoring for themselves for their personal email accounts to make sure, hey, am I on this registry? Because if I am, I'm going to have a, a bullseye on my back for a long time. Interesting. So, Andy, I know that from your perspective, you do the, the financial piece. And I think about now we do all of our um, tax returns and all of that online. Is that safe? <laughs> well, we take safeguards within our organization. Okay. We use uh, secure client portals and that sort of thing. So okay. um, we spread the word not to send sensitive information via emails okay. um, uh, and to, to use the portals. Okay. And, and so we're real careful about that. All right. Are, are there scams that stand out in your mind with the, the, the tax preparation or things like that that people have to worry about or not really? Well, the one I mentioned there um, um, where they're obtaining the W-2s through the spear phishing okay. tactics. Okay. Um, you know, another common one is where uh, uh, the IRS will call, I think you mentioned that, or okay. you'll get the calls to the elderly um, from someone claiming to be uh, uh, grandchild that's in trouble okay. mm. um, right. and that one is oftentimes uh, uh, it works because they're preying on the uh, grandparents uh, emotions mm -hmm. sure sure um, going back to that emotional thing mm -hmm. and we're going to continue this conversation we'll be right back Naperville Bank and Trust has the expertise knowledge and experience to help you reach your business goals. We would prefer to work with somebody like Naperville Bank and Trust. They're engaged in the community, they're able to help meet our financial needs, they understand us as a business. They provide all the tools that you would ask uh, that we as a growing business need of a bank. Most importantly to me, it's a, a great personal relationship we have with Tom and John and, and our bankers. It was the best thing we could have done in banking. And banking can be very cold. What the bank brings to us is, is that warm feeling when you come into the bank and people say, hi, Greg. It's about being part of the community again, about being a name again, about having credit for who your business is instead of just being, well, instead of just being a number. Naperville Bank and Trust, bring it home. Shop downtown Naperville this spring with over a hundred shops from national favorites to one-of-a-kind boutiques, plus over 50 restaurants, and health and beauty options too. Downtown Naperville is the premier shopping destination in the western suburbs. And don't forget about Downtown Naperville gift cards. They make a perfect gift for every occasion. Come shop, dine, stay, and have fun in Downtown Naperville. Stay up to date on what's happening in our neighborhoods and schools at City Hall and all across town with NCTV 17 News Update. Email directly to your inbox once a day, Monday through Friday. This two-minute video not only tells you the latest news, but shows it to you all at your fingertips. And that's what's happening right here in Naperville. And the best part, it's free. So sign up today at nctv17.com slash subscribe. So let's talk a little bit about the after. So someone has either gotten a phone call or gotten an email saying, hey, this is your grandson in, you know, 
Spain and I someone stole my wallet and I need some cash and so they end up sending it so what's the likelihood of them getting that money back if they wire it to somebody not very good no not very good uh, maybe Tim can explain a little bit more about like insurance you know getting yeah. insurance on that you know I one of the things that we've come across and we've made recommendations to our clients about it on the business side is you know make sure you have cyber coverage mm. have some sort of policy to weather the storm if something does happen, um, you know, sometimes some of our clients deal with international uh, commerce, so they're wiring money, mm. and when you wire, you can't really get it back; it's gone. But if you're ACHing, you have a little bit of a shot because those are scheduled. What are ACH? Uh, automatic check. Oh, uh, so okay. you're you're basically paying with an e-check, if you will, okay. um, and they're scheduled with the bank, uh, usually a day in advance, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Indian, mm -hmm. and then and then uh, if you do go ahead and approve an ACH payment to someone, you have a chance within a day to call your bank and say cancel that, mm -hmm. okay? Now if it does go out and you're first discovering this maybe 48 hours later or 72 hours later, uh, you might, depending on how much it is, you might be filing an insurance claim with your insurance carrier uh, for cyber cover, you know, for your cyber insurance. And that, that's to protect you in the event that something like this happens. Now, some of my banking friends who I deal with, they've said that they have recovered at times. They, they do have a success rate. It's not all doom, but the odds are pretty bad. Um, and especially like on the personal side, not everybody's a business, right? Um, your insurance people, whether it's State Farm or Allstate or something, ask them about cyber coverage because they do sell it, they do have it just for this. Uh, and that's really what they're pushing right now. Interesting. So Andy, I know we were talking earlier and you had mentioned um, uh, credit cards versus wiring and, and the difference and why it's... Yeah, the credit cards offer more protection. Okay. Um, you have a you know, much greater chance of disputing and, and not getting, uh, not being on the hook for any credit card charges. So to the extent possible, especially for individuals, if you're doing uh, any cyber commerce, use a credit card as opposed to uh, debit card or any other forms of, of transactions. Okay. Or, or you know, nobody, do people write checks anymore? <laughs> right? What's a check? Yeah, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you never I, I see that anymore. Do you, do you, do you still yeah, write checks? Every once in a while. Yeah. Not okay. compared to I used to. Yeah, and people probably don't mess with that. They're going after the, the online. So let's talk about protection. What are the best ways that you can prevent yourself from becoming a victim of, of a scam or be skeptical. Yeah. Mm. Question everything. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. If if you get that call, you get that email, you got to take a step back because you say you talk about they're playing on your emotions. Mm. Well, when you get emotional, you're upset, you're scared, you're fearful for your grandchild, or they're coming to arrest me. You're going to make some snap decisions that mm. may not be the good one. So you need to take a step back, investigate a little bit, look at it. If you see that link, where's that link going to even take me? Like you can talk about you put the cursor right over, it says click here, put the mouse on there, and it will show up where it's mm -hmm. going to take you. Right. Take a look at that, and it's like, wait a minute, it's bought by a credit card, but yet it's telling me it's taking me to somewhere else. Right. But a lot of people won't take that extra second just to look at that, see where the link is even going to take you. So um, our police department, right, which yes. we have the best, um, can we reach out to our police department yes. for, for help with something like that? Yes. I mean, if you become a victim, you can file a report with the police department. We do have financial crime investigators hmm. that that's their primary focus is working on these types of cases. And they do have some success rate. They do get some criminals. And some of the cases they've done have been some really big dollar really? and multiple, multiple agencies. There are different states, federal agencies that get involved in them. 
So you can follow up with the police department, make a report, uh, especially if they start seeing patterns. You know, they share this with other police departments, other communities. This is what we're seeing. They do work with each other quite a bit. Can also make a report with the Federal Trade Commission, with the FBI, the IRS wants to know if they're getting it. So yeah, please share that information. That's one of the best ways to help protect others. Let them know. I know everyone gets embarrassed I was a victim, but yet by telling others, you're warning them and you're helping protect other people too then. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and I would even say the same thing, like, you know, talk to your IT department, talk to if you have consultants, talk to them. You know, even if you have to pay a little bit of money for training. And for that person to come in and train your staff, and you know, uh, one of the things that even we do is we send out fake phishing campaigns. You know, it's like a marketing blast, but we send out fake phishing emails, and we'll we'll be the ones that orchestrate it. We'll work with senior management and say, hey, this is what we're going to send, uh, so they know it's coming. Uh, we don't want to embarrass the people who who, who <laughs> pay fall us, for but, it. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know, but we'll send something out that looks like a like an Amazon Prime password reset or uh, an Office 365 password reset. Uh, we'll send something out like that. Um, or we'll send something that says, hey, you're being promoted. You know, Click on this attachment for our offer letter. Stuff like that. We'll come up with some kind of fake phishing campaign that looks legitimate. And then if they fall for it, we'll know, because we'll know if they opened it. And then from there, we'll use that as a way to, use, to, to incorporate training into their organization. To me, that's money well spent, mm -hmm. okay? Because the implications of becoming a victim is a thousand times worse, you know, a million times worse. Uh, so, you know, I would say reach out to your trusted advisors, reach out to people who, you know, you're paying that are supposed to be protecting you and ask them for help. That's what they're there for. That's their job. They should be on top of it. Don't feel like you have to know everything. That's what you're paying these guys for. Um, and, and let them come in and teach you. It's all about awareness. The technology, the anti-phishing mechanisms of email are using artificial intelligence. They're good, but not great. They usually have to learn. They have to learn the behavior of how the CEO, for example, emails, who they email, the kind of verbiage that they put in their emails. So when something comes across that's using different language, like you said, that's not how I talk, the, the artificial intelligence should pick that up and therefore quarantine that email and let you review it. And so that technology is getting there. It's getting better. It's not quite there yet, but you know, Microsoft's released products that are good at that. Um, you know, and it's a little bit of an add-on to your email subscription, but it's, I think it's worth it. Uh, and so, you know, go ahead and spend that money to give yourself better protection. You know, of course, you know, you want to have good antivirus. Of course, you know, you, you, know, you, you want to have good spam filtering. But at the end of the day, it's awareness, it's training, it's teaching. Because th the weakest link in your organization is the person who falls for it. They're going to yeah. go after that weak one who may end up wiring or, or ACHing a bunch of your client's money away or your own money away or something like that. And that's awful. So yeah. you just don't want to have that. Yeah. And I know in our firm, we like to remind everybody um, pretty on a pretty regular basis because if it's, you know, Tim's firm has come in and done the training. I think he even did the, the targeted uh, mm -hmm. uh, fishing exercise with us. But if you do that, you know, two years ago, you've forgotten about it. So it's good to keep this fresh. And yeah. And, and to rotate your passwords on a regular basis as well. Absolutely. And, and even if you're contracted with an IT team, you know, a lot of times they do these things for free. They just come in um, and, and do it as part, of, as part of their managed services or whatever. And, you know, because we don't, I personally don't want to deal with it. I, I'm, in it, I'm, in it I'm in it with you, you know. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to have to get that email that says, hey, we did this or we did that. Because automatically our technology or lack thereof is to blame if something does happen. It, it, can, <laughs> it could happen, right? And so I don't want to, just as much as you guys don't, want to have that I don't want to see it either and because I, I don't want to deal with that you know so what can we do to be proactive on this topic because it is a big problem
It is more and more. Yeah. So you mentioned something in about passwords. So there's, I think, different schools of thought. Um, we used to hear, you know, change change your passwords on a regular basis. And I think about three months ago, something came out that said, ah, you don't have to change your passwords that frequently. Yeah. What's what? What are you guys hearing? Well, um, I like to change passwords and keep them complex. However, if you forget it, then you might have a tendency I to write it down. And if you write it down, then you're vulnerable. Right. So there's two schools of thought there. Um, Tim, do you know where the, the password technology is going? Because I hear things about automatic password generation right. and that sort of thing. Well, but how do you keep track of that? So you guys at Klein Hall are very, uh, you guys are very um, cutting edge, right? Um, and we kind of help push that. Sure. Uh, but you know, like you guys are using two-factor authentication, right? Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. important, right? Username and password's not good enough anymore, mm -hmm. you know, because those can be cracked. So if you, the likelihood of somebody getting your username, your password, and your iPhone or Android to be able to push the button to authenticate you as a secondary way to authenticate is very remote. So the statistics now have, now it's gotten really difficult, you know? And so um, I believe in two-factor authentication. Your bank makes you do it anyway, yeah. right? A lot of times you're logging in from a computer that it hasn't seen. You're getting tech, you get texted a code that you have to put in as well to log in, right? So mm -hmm. your password's important, but it's, it's now the secondary form of authentication that is necessary. And that's another way to combat that. Um, there is a free, there are some free tools that you can, you know, randomly type in a password and it'll tell you how many billions of years it would take for somebody to crack it. <laughs> so if you ever want to test your password, you know, there's there's a way to do that. And so, so no, I hacked the program that people are testing their passwords <laughs> in and I get those passwords. Yeah, if you just Google something like how secure is my password, there's a there's a free tool out there on the internet. It's totally That's safe. You don't have to press a button to submit it. You just type it and it and it uses like a it, it just automatically will update the, the screen below and show how long it would take for a cracker to, uh, even a tool to be able to crack your password. So at the police department, do you guys have any policy like from a password perspective or are you sort of like this where you have like these kind of yeah, like some of our Some of the programs we use, we automatically every couple months have to change our password. Okay. You know, it's like time to update your password, you gotta change your password, you can't use anything similar. Uh, you know, it used to be a long time ago, I remember you can change your password and you change 12 to 13 or something. Now it's like you gotta have, nothing could be the same. You gotta have characters and upper and lower right, case. Right. So yeah, some of our programs, we do have to change our passwords every couple months. Uh, just make them a little bit more challenging and it, or right. someone, hey, I you know logged in or something, can you log me out? Well, you know, it sort of protects that right. way. You know, but you also don't want to use the same. Sorry, I mean, yeah. but you also don't want to use the same password, password for, for everything. everything. Yeah. Because that's another big common one. So if somebody catches you once and you're on the dark web, yep. okay, and your password's there in plain text, that you know, dark web's a database that bad guys use. Oh. Right. Once you've been compromised in the past in any way, and like that example, like I gave earlier, where you give out your password in plain text in a fake form, right. well, that password's out there for all the bad guys to pick up, and they'll pay for it. And if that password is used, and that username being your email address is used <laughs> in all these different places, well, guess what? Yeah. I mean, Everybody's nobody's gonna everything. admit that either, but how many people use the same password yeah. you know, yeah. for all different types of services? Admittedly, I do that. So, yeah. so what's a good way to manage those passwords? So a password management tool is, is important. Uh, those are either free, um, you can get some free ones um, where you really have to you know, know one password and then from there you can, and you'll use multi-factor authentication to get into this cloud-based, web-based password management tool. And then from there you could see all of your accounts. Um, so that's something that um, is, is available as well. You know, your IT department should be able to help you 
or help provide that to you, just ask them about it. Ask them about a password management tool and they'll give you something. And, awesome. and from there, you log in and you use your, your two-factor authentication with your phone and then from there you see all your accounts. And you can put anything in there, bank passwords, DirecTV, Comcast, whatever. Just record awesome. your passwords in a safe place. There's yep. so much information and we could probably talk about this for um, another hour and um, especially as technology evolves. So thank you all so much for being here today and sharing such valuable information with, with our viewers. Thank you for joining us for Inside the Chamber. We hope you found the information in today's program valuable. Please join us again for our monthly programs. In the meantime, remember, when you're looking for a service or somewhere to shop or dine, think Chamber and visit Naperville.net to support the Chamber of Commerce and our business community. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust.